thank you for tuning in to AnchorCast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to get the latest updates about events, meetings, and uploads. We hope you enjoy today's episode. My name is Sierra. I'm part of your anchor leadership team here, and I have been given the incredible opportunity to come and continue our 2020 vision series. I am following up Jake Watkins, so this is going to be challenging, but I'm going to give it a go. Well, I wanted to start tonight off with a quick question. I want to get a feel of the room. I want everyone in here to be honest with yourself, be honest with me, be honest with the people around you. Raise your hand today if you're a little bit of a control freak. And if you're not raising your hand, you're probably lying to yourself because we're all control freaks in one way or another. And today I'm going to be reading you guys a story from the book of Genesis. And it's a story that you guys have probably heard a few times. A story that is pretty popular. It's told a lot. But I want to encourage you guys to hear the story with an open heart, open ears. Maybe get something out of the story that you haven't before. Allow God to speak to you tonight. Allow him to invade your heart and teach you something new. So we're going to be looking at Genesis. We're going to be going through a little bit of 16, a little bit of 17. But first, I kind of want to give you a little summary of chapter 15 in the book of Genesis. Verses 12 through 16 say, God comes to Abraham. He tells Abraham about his descendants. He says, you're going to have all these descendants. They're not going to live here. You're going to someday die. You're going to be buried in a really good place. And in four generations, your descendants will be coming back to their hometown here. So thinking that God comes to him, says something about his descendants, that indicates that Abraham will have children. His bloodline will continue. So keep that in mind as we get into chapter 16 here. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. If you have your Bible, a Bible app, go ahead and pull those out now. Otherwise, it's on the screen. Just go ahead and follow along. It says, Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go and sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress, who is Sarah. Then Sarah said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she's pregnant, and she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Let's think about this for a second. Sarah lost faith in God. We already see that. She said, God hasn't given me this ability. So how about, honey, you go sleep with my friend Hagar. And Abraham says, yes. How would we feel if our husband agreed to sleep with another woman? How would a husband feel for their wife to say, go sleep with my best friend over here, and then we'll have a family, right? This just doesn't make any sense. And then Sarah says, Abraham, it's all your fault. It was her idea for him to sleep with her friend, Hagar, and she says, Abraham, it's your fault. So Abraham says, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. She's your slave. Do with her whatever you want. So she mistreats Hagar so poorly that Hagar runs away. 
She's leaving. She's now pregnant with a son, and she runs away. A little bit later in chapter 16, God comes to Hagar, says, I got you. Don't worry. I'll protect you. I'll protect your children, and you're going to have more. So Hagar goes back. Now moving on to Genesis 17, in verses 15 through 19, God comes to Abraham again, and he says, As for your wife Sarah, you will no longer call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her, and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down, and he laughed in God's face, and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man who's 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael, the son of Hagar, might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife, Sarah, she will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. So Sarah says, Honey, go sleep with my friend. He does. She gets pregnant. Then God comes to Abraham for a second time, and he says, no, you're missing it. Sarah is going to give you children, and you will name your son Isaac, and kings of nations will come from your bloodline. And what does Abraham do but laugh in God's face? He says, God, you're crazy. I'm 100 years old. She's 90. No way can she have a baby. He is doubting God when God is speaking to him. Imagine if God was speaking to your face and you laughed at him. Hmm. Let's think about that. So let's think about where Sarah must have been emotionally, mentally, to even consider asking her husband to sleep with somebody else. In those days, a woman's purpose was just to provide her husband with more children, right? That's what a woman was for. Give the man children, let his bloodline continue, right? Well, she came so desperate, so depressed, so unsure of what was going on. God was not coming through on his promise to give Abraham descendants soon enough. So she comes up with her own plan. She thinks that she's smarter than God. No, I'm sorry to tell you that's not the case. And all of this drama unfolds because she decided to go her own path. And because Abraham, her husband, who should be guiding her in a godly relationship, agreed, and he followed along with her plan, with her vision, not with God's vision to give them more descendants together with her own vision. They went their own way, caused all this anger, all this resentment, all of this depression, all of this emotion for no reason. God comes to Abraham and says, you got it all wrong. Sarah's going to have a baby. She's going to have the baby, you're going to name him Isaac, and kings of nations will come from that. And so Abraham is now given a chance to trust God, to trust God's vision. And what does he do but laugh in his face? Abraham says, God, you're just wrong. You're crazy. My vision is right because a 90-year-old woman cannot have a baby. A 100-year-old man cannot have a baby. But I want you guys to get something from this. Sarah does get pregnant. She does have a son. They do name him Isaac. And guess who then comes from that bloodline? But Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a descendant of Sarah and Abraham's son, Isaac. That's not for a long time after, but God had that plan. He had that figured out. He knew exactly what he was doing when he said, you're going to have descendants. 
God remained faithful to his promise even after they didn't trust him, even after they didn't have faith in him, even after they lost hope in his plan. He remained faithful. He gave Sarah and Abraham a son. They named that son Isaac, and then Jesus is born centuries later. God is faithful. He always comes through, even when we screw up. So I want us to think now. How often do we lose faith in God's plan? How often do we lose hope? How often do we lose trust? God has a plan for every single human in this room, every single human down the street at Starbucks, every single human walking this entire earth. He knit you together in his mother's womb. He had a plan for Jesus to be born. He chose Abraham and Sarah to have the son for them to be the descendants. He has that planned out for you before you were even a thought. He knew what he was gonna do with you. So I've got some bad news for you today, and I got some good news for you today. The bad news is that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that tells you we can walk in to the new year, 2020, with 2020 vision. The bad news is that is so wrong. We should be walking into this new year with God's 2020 vision, not our own. We live in a world of instant gratification. A world that says, if you want it, you can have it now. You can have it tomorrow. You want it now, take it now. Set a goal. Make a plan. Hustle. Don't you let up. Because that is what you need to do to be successful. We live in a world that's on time frame. School, college, marriage, baby. Raise the baby. Kick them out when they turn 18. Go retire. Get a house in another country. Live it up. That's our timeline in this world. We live in a world where you want something, go on your phone, go on Amazon, order it, you get it tomorrow. Drive up into the fast food restaurant, order your food, you get it in five minutes. Well, what happens when you pay at the window, the person in front of you is taking forever, you start screaming in your car that they ordered the whole restaurant, I'm guilty of this. You're angry because you're not getting your food fast enough. How about when your package doesn't arrive on time? It said it was supposed to be here between 9 and 12, but it's 3 o'clock and it's still not here. We log in so fast to find our tracking number to figure out where it's at, only to find out it comes tomorrow. Now you're angry for no reason. We live in a world that has taught us it's okay to be impatient. We expect things to happen and to happen now. We make our plan, and when it doesn't come through, we say, God, why did you do this to me? We say, God, why didn't I get that promotion? I worked for that. God, why did my family member have to pass away? You know what? Because God works at his own pace. God does his own thing. He has his own timeline that has nothing to do with our world. I'm reading a book right now, and it's called The Upside Down Kingdom, and it's because God does not work the way that our world works. He lives upside down in this world. He has his own timeline that has nothing to do with the way that we live. I also want to tell you guys this. Hurry is the death to prayer. And let me tell you why. When you set a goal, and now you have this plan for that goal, and you want that thing, and you know exactly how to get it, and then you go to God in prayer, and you say, God, I have this goal, I have this plan, you have already shut off the communication. Because we should be coming to God before we made the goal, 
Before we came up with a plan, we should have already been communicating with God, saying, God, please, whatever door you open, I'm ready. Whenever that time comes, I will be ready. God, your will, not my will. So he, hurry is the death to prayer. Slow down, take a step back, think, what would God want for you instead of what the world wants for you? But here's the good news. The good news is that we serve a great and a faithful God. We serve a God who wants us to succeed. He wants us to get that promotion. He wants us to do well. He has the plan. He has the vision for our lives. We serve a great and a faithful God. He provided for Abraham and Sarah despite all of the things that went wrong. Despite everything that they did against his will, he still came through. He still provided. Despite Abraham laughing in his face, he still gave them a son. Psalm 37.4, it says, delight yourself in the world and he will give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't say go clean yourself up and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't say be blameless, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. It says, be sinless, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. No, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight means to find joy in. It means to find love in. It means to find hope in. We should find our joy in Jesus Christ. And when we can find joy in Jesus, and we can come to him before our burdens become so much that we can't even bear it, when we can come to him and say, God, I know I'm not perfect. I know my vision is so wrong. I do not have 20-20. When we can come to him and say that, that is when he will make it clear. That is when we will see with his vision and not our own. Because our ways will become his ways. Because we are striving to live a life that glorifies him. That is what we need to live by. We need to live in joy in Christ, in community in Christ, in love in Christ, in kindness. Show kindness and love to others. Let his glory shine through your life, and your life will become what he wants for you. He wants you to have everything you want. It says he will give you the desires of your heart, not of the world's heart. He didn't say, Sierra, because you like horses, you can't do that. You need to like me more. Well, guess what? I love God more. And I would be willing to give up that life for anything that he had for me. But he loves me so much, and he knows that I find my joy in him, and that I would leave it all for him, that he put me in a place where I am being cared for and developed in a, on a ranch with a, a boss who loves Jesus just as much as I do. People that I can be in community with and share his love with. People that I can come up to and say, hey, this is all because of God. And be so excited in that. He wants to give you the desires of your own heart. And the moment that we can look at our lives and say, God, where am I holding on? What am I holding on to? What have I not fully given to you? The moment we can say we are imperfect, we are impatient, we want instant gratification, we are sinful, we are all to blame. We live in a broken world, but we know we can't do it without him. We know that we need his vision. Because if we don't have his vision, there's going to be anger and depression and resentment, just like with Abraham and Sarah. 
We are not going to be living out God's glory and his love for the world to see. Because let me tell you something, his love is greater than this world will ever get to see without us. His love is what we're all searching for. We are all searching for purpose. We are all searching for love. We are all searching for that gratitude. Well, guess what? That's the only place you're going to find that is in God, is in Jesus Christ, in knowing that he died on the cross for your sins, that he wants to give you everything that you want, that he wants you to be happy. He wants you to have love and joy and peace. Our God is grace. Our God is peace. Our God is love. Our God is purpose. So my encouragement for everybody here tonight, as you go into your time of discussion, my encouragement for you guys would be, look at these questions. Be honest. Be vulnerable. Talk to God. Talk to the people in your groups. The only way that any of us are going to get where we need to go, the only way that any of us are going to see God's 2020 vision is if we are able to be honest with ourselves and to be honest with him. And anchor is not a place of judgment. This is not a place where you are going to be hated on for what you're hanging on to, that you're going to be hated on for the sin that you've caused in your past. This is a place where we want to accept you, embrace you, and help you grow. And the only way to do that is to be vulnerable in this discussion time. Yeah, you just listened to me talk for who knows how long, but the discussion is the most important part of this whole process because community is where you grow. Community is the people who are going to be by you and hold you accountable and listen to you. So as you guys go into discussion today, I encourage you to be vulnerable. I encourage you to be honest with yourself, with God, with the people here. So I'm going to pray us, and we're going to go into a time of discussion. And I just want to let you guys know that our leadership team is all over this room. Can I get everyone on the leadership team to just raise their hand really quick? They're everywhere. There's so many people that want to pray with you, that want to talk to you, that want to take you to coffee. We want to help you guys grow. So at the end today, if you're feeling like you need a little extra prayer, find someone. Throw a rock and you'll hit one of us. Find someone, talk to us. I'm going to pray and then you guys can go ahead into your time of discussion. God, we're just so thankful today. We're so thankful that we get to serve a God who loves us. We get to serve a God who wants us to have the desires of our heart. We serve a God that even though we are imperfect humans, we serve a perfect God. We serve a God that just wants us to live our best life in him, that wants us to live in love and grace and kindness. We're so thankful for that, God. We're so thankful that you had a plan for Abraham and Sarah to have that baby so that Jesus could later be born and die for us on that cross, God. We're so thankful that you are with us every day. You're with us in the fire, in the storms, in the floods, in the rain, and you're with us when there are sunshines and lollipops. So God, we're just thankful, and I want to encourage everyone in here, God, that you would just speak to their hearts in this time of discussion, that you would allow them to feel your love, to feel your grace and your kindness and your forgiveness, God, because you are so good, and anyone living without you is just not living at all. So God, Pierce the hearts of the people in here today. Speak to them a way that they have not been spoken to. And in your name we pray, amen.